We welcome you back to a new but not so new series, and that is Mental Health Matters. Um, and why I say new but not so new is that we have covered some of the, the topics that are could be you know put inside of this series, and they were in the brotherly advice section and a part of that series, which inshallah ta'ala, we're going to leave those there as well and also migrate them over to this this new series, this new playlist um, that is specifically dealing with mental health now, because mental health is something that um, is very important for one's quality of life. And there are many issues that are plaguing us that have adverse effects upon our quality of life and upon our daily life um, and the like. So with that, we, in this, today's episode, had a beautiful discussion with Ustad Khalil Davis Al-Afriqi and also our brother Basim Abdaziz, who has worked in a field where he has encountered many individuals who are dealing with the adverse effects of non-treated trauma. And that is the topic of today's lecture, the impacts and the effects and impacts of trauma on mental health. Um, so with that, we urge the listener to listen up until the very end and to check the show notes and the description box of some programs or some contacts that you can get in touch with so that you may learn about um, a very good program that is specific to men that our brother Basim, he, he has. So with that, no further ado, I would leave you to this week's episode. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah, nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa man tamasaka bi sunnatihi ila yawmiddin. Thumma amma ba'id. Alhamdulillah ala ni'mat al-islami wa sunnah. Praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah. We meet again to go over a very important topic and we have with us Ustad Khalil Davis at Afriki and we have our noble brother Basim Abdaziz, who's going to give us some beautiful words and share with us some of his experiences as relates to this topic. But firstly, before getting into that and delving into that, we'd like to ask you, Abu Khalil, um, to please just briefly explain to us why this topic is so important. والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء ومرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين من تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته مرحبا بكم وبارك الله فيكم first and foremost before I mention or begin to explain why this topic is so important I want to thank our brother for once again inviting me to participate in this most important topic and also our brother Basim for also giving his input 
as you mentioned the last time we met and we talked about mental health issues in the Muslim community, we mentioned an ayah from the Quran where Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala he mentioned Mafratna fil kitab min shaykh. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala says he has not left anything anything out in his book. So that means that every issue that we deal with, every issue that a Muslim is confronted with, then there's a solution from Kitab and Sunnah. So Allah Tabaraka Ta'ala says he had not left anything out in his book. This topic is important because any trauma is a human experience that all of us can be faced with or confronted with. Let's reflect on the story of the Prophet وسلم, or the Prophet's experience in Mount Hira. And we know that before revelation, he would go and he would reflect. He was upon the military Ibrahim. I mean, he was not upon the way of the Mishukim pagans, but he did not receive revelation yet. And he would go to Mount Hira in the cave and he would you know, worship Allah Tabarakwatana. But then what took place? The revelation came. Jibreel came to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we know the surah or the the few ayat in Surah Iqra was revealed, he was told to read. So we know the whole event, but here the key element as relates to any trauma is that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he went to his wife Khadija in fear in fear he was trembling and he had mentioned to her cover cover me cover me and so this whole affair was a traumatic situation as it relates to the messenger of allah he was trembling he was in fear and his wife had to console him and let him know that he is one who is truthful and so on and so forth. And, and this is going to be an important element towards the end when we talk about solutions, inshallah. I'm going to save that to the end. So here we see that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that whole event was traumatic for him. It was traumatic. So this topic is important because we want to understand you know, how to deal with trauma. You know, what is trauma, you know, as it relates to the Muslims and how it affects the Muslim community. Now, I want, I want to clear, before I end this question, I want to clarify a particular uh, um, uh, circumstance or a particular situation that people extract from this. And the people say that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, out of his grief because of what had taken place, that he wanted to commit suicide. Now, this narration is mu'allik form in Bukhari, yani meaning that one or more of the narrators are missing from the beginning of the chain. And people confuse the Mu'allaq form of hadith that Bukhari brings in the Sahih. Yani. So there's some, uh, in relation to the whole event about him to throw himself down from the mountain and commit suicide. Yani. This is something that is, as I mentioned, in Mu'allaq form. Yani. So therefore, uh, the scholars don't um this portion of it they don't accept that particular narration that's a topic in and of itself that we don't have time to cover today but the whole thing is that 
trauma is important because it's a human experience that all of us can be confronted with and all of us can, can fall into. Jazakallah khair, barakallah feek. Now, for the, for the listener, could you just briefly explain and give a definition to trauma itself? No. And let's make a disclaimer because like we did the last time, we are, we are not uh, clinical professionals. We're not, I mean, we're not, this is not, uh, the subject is not to give any kind of antidote or any kind of cure. I mean, from a, from a professional and technical point of view, of course, we're just giving advice and trying to bring light based on Kitab and Sunni. So uh, a trauma I mean, is a person's body uh, response to some kind of, you know, troubling, distressing events, circumstance, situation I mean. so a person's uh, body undergoes uh, changes I mean, and go through a range of emotions those emotions can be short-term or long-term and there's certain causes you know assault bullying childbirth natural disasters illness disease loss of loved ones war genocide mass killings emotional sexual or physical abuse and there's different types of trauma you know also different types of trauma medical trauma trauma caused by grief uh, vicarious uh, trauma, which a person, you know, gets secondhand by counseling someone with trauma, uh, intergenerational trauma, uh, uh, system-induced trauma, i.e. meaning through the prison system, uh, yani through foster care, child being snatched out of the home, uh, acute trauma, where someone witnesses trauma firsthand. So this is trauma in a nutshell. In Allah Ta'ala. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. Um, alhamdulillah, you brought with you today a guest, our esteemed brother Basim Abdul Aziz. Allah Ta'ala <laughs> bless him tremendously. Alhamdulillah. Um, brother Basim Abdul Aziz, um, from what I understand, you have worked in the prison system for about 25 years or so. Alhamdulillah. As a, as a correctional officer, correct? No. Alhamdulillah. May Allah Ta'ala bless you. Um, and, and, and as a side note, you know, I think it's very important to have brothers like yourself in those type of positions where people are in a situation where they're supposed to be rehabilitated, but we know that the system is not designed to do that. So to have good influences and people around them is very important. So to give them advice, you know, based on Kitab and Sunnah and things that will help them in their lives. So may Allah Ta'ala bless you and reward you for all the, the good advice and things you have done throughout the years. Um, now, the, the, the question I have for you, because I'm, I'm sure that you have seen many individuals who were dealing with untreated trauma. Um, could you briefly explain to us or could you draw for us, is there any type of correlation between untreated trauma and ending up in the prison system? based on your experience and from what you have witnessed? Ma'am, uh, many individuals are from being abused physically, mentally, sexually, carry that over and going untreated, they have a lot for sexual, say sexual uh, abuse. If it was sexual abuse, nine times out of 10, there's a great number of individuals that would become sexual abusers themselves because they were at one time overbarreled and not strong enough to fight off their prey and going down a line they tend to do that to someone else because they want to feel that same type of power that was held against themselves 
And same as uh, mental abuse. They will continue to uh, mentally abuse others because they was meant to abuse. Yeah. Abuse is is common in um, urban areas because we lack uh, different funds and things of that nature. So therefore, we tend to adapt to our environment and we become somewhat brutal from the different things that go on in our environment that we see and we want to be part of because we don't want to be that lamb on the outskirt because most of the time that lamb becomes a victim. So before we become victimized, we decide to become the victors. Now, now, now have individuals, for example, as you mentioned, who have been abused. So you're saying that in, in, in turn, they end up, they become an abusers themselves because they, that trauma was left untreated. And this is like, I, I would say, the manifestation of that trauma, of that untreated trauma. Nah. So then they go on to abuse others. Nah. Nah. So, so, so in, in, in essence, um, this will lead them to potential crimes that would have them landed in jail, correct? Correct. Mashallah, mashallah. Correct. A lot to award you. Now, in that, um, it comes to mind: Do they have any type of programs inside of the penal system that are designed to help individuals who are suffering from untreated trauma? That's that's not really readily available. I mean, they have some programs, but not many. You know, a lot of a lot of individuals use utilize that solitude of the prison system in order to get find out really who they are because a lot of them are lost living somebody through somebody else's lens trying to fit into an equation that's not particularly them they're trying to find, so in order to find out who you are that solitude sometimes can actually help them find out who they are and get them closer to their lord now nah, exactly so this i think that that highlights and stresses the point of um, having good brothers like yourself in that field, you know, which is an encouragement to others because you can't deal with any type of trauma that, that you have gone through before you have recognized and have acknowledged it. You know, that's the first step. Um, so I think that's good. And, and when they have reached these, these points of self-reflection and they start to understand who they are, um, do you find it often that they try to reach out to people and speak to people who they think may benefit them? Absolutely. You want to really like share your newfound energy with someone and attach yourself to people that become somewhat like-minded of yourself. And there's not enough of that going around. You're always going to have that opposing side. But when you invest in yourself and you gather strength in yourself, you can take yourself to different heights and put yourself in the category with others that are like, like I said, are like-minded. Nah. And it's a negative fraction. Mashallah, you know, that, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because um, there are a lot of brothers who accepted Islam in prison because they had that time to reflect and to think, you know, they had time to read, you know. Um, so, so definitely um, giving dawah and, and making it available 
to brothers who are in, and sisters who are in that situation, I think is vitally important because once, for example, an individual has gone through that trauma that was untreated, um, they self-reflect you know, while incarcerated and they enter into Islam with the lack of, of programs for them, they still will have a lot of untreated trauma when they come out, when they come back to the communities, right? Um, have you have you seen this in, in in your experience to be the case? Well, there are, there are definitely a lot of individuals who still uh, lack treatment, you know. Right. Uh, but he, Islam has definitely carried them and catapulted them to a better place. And we still like have so much work to do. And like I said, we have to create organizations for these individuals, especially men because men seem men seem to suppress their feelings and emotion and not deal with their trauma we tend to hide it and put on a mask every day in order to enter society because that's what we believe society wants to see of us right. now nah, that's, that's that's very true so i'm a khalil let me ask you because you know we know the reality of muslims who are also suffering from trauma um be it those who have accepted islam or those who were raised as muslims they still may suffer from trauma and um like brother basim mentioned a lot of times they don't speak about it and you know we put on this mask and facade trying to just you know uh function and become functional members of society but at the same time may still have some negative impacts due to untreated trauma so that being the case, Abu Khalil, with your years of experience inside of the Muslim communities, are there any examples or any cases of Muslims who were negatively affected due to untreated trauma? No. Um, yes, uh, th there's uh, there's a lot of cases, and Alhamdulillah, alham, as you mentioned, um, been involved in the Muslim community for a long period of time, for more than two decades, as an Imam, call it to Allah also uh, assisting other imams and trying to bring resolve to particular issues. I, I wanna, I'm gonna mention a few situations and these situations are um, very delicate. And I'm gonna start with myself first and foremost. Um, there's no secret for those who will watch your show or keep up with uh, my activities in Dawa and they've seen uh, the episodes I did in, for the brothers in Canada, Sunasaga in relation to the drug era, uh, kidnappings, murders, things that I myself personally went through um, and, and witnessed. And of course, as we know, we, we can't, we, we only generalize, we can't be specific, but just based on my past background and where I was raised at, at, at that particular time, it's a very uh, detrimental time in American history, and through the crack era, especially Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. at the time was the uh, murder, you know, high, has a high, had the highest murder rate per capita at that time. Um, so, based on the background and my lifestyle that I was living at the time, um, which was again is known um, based on the interviews I did with Sunasaga, that background caused me to really that it was traumatic, and I didn't really realize it. It caused me to really be. Um, very skeptical of people and, and lack a lot of trust in people. And it took a long time because when I was growing up in that kind of lifestyle, literally 
your best friend will kill you. That's how it was. And I've seen this. This is something that I witnessed and seen every day. Um, and I was involved in. So you couldn't sit, for instance, you couldn't sit behind someone. I mean, somebody couldn't sit behind you. Because a lot of times in Washington, D.C. at that time, if, if someone gets behind you in the car, sometimes that can mean you're not coming back home. The driver would give a cue, look through the rearview mirror, and give you the cue exactly when to pull that trigger. So in the back of your head, you got a bullet. That's just how it was. That's just reality. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, one, when I would get in the car, even with Muslims, I would never let anyone sit behind me. Because why? It, it was traumatic. Subconsciously, I didn't realize it. I couldn't let people sit behind me. Even traveling on public transportation, I always kept my back against the wall. I always, so I can see everybody, see everything. And even in restaurants, I would never have my back towards the door. I would have my, my, I would have my back, my face facing the door so I can see everyone that comes in. And people started to notice that. People started to notice these things. You know, those who, who some people who, who were Muslims who knew my background because they knew people who knew me in the streets, they understood. But those who didn't know, they didn't understand. So it, it, it took me a while, literally, to trust people. I, I literally could not even eat food. If people try to offer me food. I wouldn't eat the food from them because, the, like I say, once again, the kind of lifestyle that I came from, Yanni, that street lifestyle, especially at that time when crack first hit the scene, Washington, D.C., was considered wild, wild west. I mean, guys all around different cities, New York, wherever it may be, they feared D.C. They would sit out of their mouths. Even some of the so-called toughest guys, they knew. In the penal system, and I'm sure our brother Basim can bear witness, in the penal system, D.C. has a name for itself, Yanni, because D.C. was known to put that work in. So, so that in and of itself, you know, I can bear witness personally that trauma can have a, a, a like we say, it can be short-term or, or long-term. It, it had a long-term effect. I didn't even realize it at first, you know, it, because it was natural to me. And I, when I stepped back and realized it was that it was because of the trauma, because of my lifestyle, what I witnessed, what I seen, what I went through. So it carried over into Islam where I couldn't really, I, I lacked trust in people. I just couldn't, especially when I started seeing Muslims who were not trustworthy. That made it that solidified it even more for me that I couldn't trust individuals. Um, likewise, there's sisters who I know have been raped before Islam, and some by their own family members, some by their own father, by their own father. So you know, those sisters who've been raped by their own fathers or been raped by individuals, um, I've 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 experienced that, meaning that I've had sisters relate stories to me tell me and share you know yani based on if they're feeling comfortable with me as the imam or whatever feeling comfortable with me as their teacher and so on and so forth and so they expressed certain things and i've i've even myself like i said i'm not a clinical professional but i mentioned to you in the last episode any um one of my wives was in that field for like 30 years and also i've worked closely with people who are in that field you know, in Washington, D.C., uh, working closely, trying to bring about, uh, like our brother Basim is doing, he has a program he does for men uh, that he does. Also, he has a Facebook page trying to help resolve these issues. So I did a lot of that in D.C. with people who had actually, who had degrees in that field. So I had a lot of experience. So sometimes it, I can even recognize certain behavior, uh, uh, behavioral patterns in people where I, even I recognize a behavioral pattern in someone that I knew that something had happened to them that was that was not correct you know sexually so 
this is the reality. Sisters being raped before Islam, it carries over to Islam. And he, uh, like I say, some by their own uh, family members, by their own father. Um, some sisters are being traumatized. I've experienced that in the past, and even today, sisters are being traumatized by their husbands, any meaning mentally and emotionally, and some physically. And they, you know, they 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 mentally traumatize these women, meaning that any they constantly, daily, any uh, physically and mentally abusing these sisters, emotionally abusing these sisters. I had one situation where a sister came from Dr. York's community, and we all familiar with Dr. York. And we know what he did to the women of that community, the Ansar community. Those men who he sent out to sell products in New York, incense and so on and so on. He had a location in D.C. also. Those men who did not meet the quota of the day, he had a room called the Green Room. He, he would have sex with, the, with, the, with, with his followers' wives. Because they did not, they did not meet the quota. There was a sister who was a part of that community who Hamdulillah had left many years. She was away from, it. and she entered into Islam. Hamdulillah accepted at Dawah Salafiya, but once she was seeking consultation, and I didn't do much. I just listened to her situation mostly, and as I listened. When she finished, and she went on for about maybe 20 minutes or so. When she finished, I gave a very short spill and a solution. And my spill and solution was only about two minutes. Later, I get an email from the sister. The sister is telling me she loves me. Now, so, so I respond to the sister and told the sister to feel a lot about her. To feel a lot. So she sends an email back apologizing telling me she's very sorry. She said, but she's affected because in Dr. York's community, when she was there, he took advantage of the women. She said, but here it is that I have all the power and authority to take advantage of women, but I didn't do so. Instead, I helped. So that made her instantly, quote unquote, fall in love with me. So because of the trauma she suffered in Dr. York's community, carried over into Islam. Um, also, I know a situation where sister actually witnessed, we talk about, like I said, we have different types of trauma. We have someone who has acute trauma where they, they witness you know, a traumatic situation. I know a sister who witnessed her father putting out cigarettes on her mother. Once again, I'll say it again. I know a sister who witnessed her father putting out cigarettes, lit cigarettes on her mother. She experienced this. And he, this is trauma as a child, and it carries over to Islam. You, you know, it's, it's not just something that, and it has different levels of effect on people. Like like our brother Basim said that uh, some people, because they've been abused, they may abuse others. Okay? Not in every case, but it's still they still have a particular case of type of trauma, and they deal with it in another kind of way. So could you imagine a sister witnessing her father putting out a cigarette on her mother? Um, I know a young brother who's been also, who's been bullied as a young man who's Muslim now, been Muslim for several years. He's still very young. He's been bullied growing up, not allowed to express himself and so on and so forth. So now he has a lot of pent up aggression inside. You know, he's trying to get through it. 
So the point is that there's a lot of examples, and these are just a few that I named that I see that in Islam, it still has an effect on the people and, and it causes problems. It can cause problems. And, and, and inshallah, um, this is something that's very serious that has to be not has to be looked at and examined and not swept under the rug. Nah, most definitely. Akhi Basim, um, the likes of what uh, Amr Khalil mentioned, have, have you seen? Have you also seen this? Um, these type of individuals who have gone through the likes of this, um, do they? Some of them eventually end up in the in the penal system. Have you have you witnessed some of these um, cases as well? Man, like like the brother was expressing about uh, the females uh, being sexually abused. A lot of times they become very promiscuous because they were sexually abused, and in the process. They develop a lot of emotional attachments and sometimes they can't handle not being attached to that individual, which lead to murder. That individual or maybe he's no longer interested in the sister. He becomes interested in another sister. She might murder that sister due to the fact of she took her attachment. Wait, wait, wait. Let you me know? go. I, I, I want to go back to understand you correctly. So, so, so women who are traumatized, um, you're saying in some mm -hmm. cases develop an attachment for absolutely for the for the individual who victimized them. No, no, not for the particularly the individual, not for the individual the victim, but when they because they become promiscuous somewhat. Oh, I see what you're so, saying. So they they become so they're, when they're, they get attached. Right, they, yeah, they really get attached. Absolutely, they get attached. Gotcha. Because gotcha. and like I said, they proceed to commit crime based on their jealousy because you took their attachment away. And you have males that do the same thing. Males that become attached to some women and he make her his property and nobody else can have her. So in the process of her wanting to leave, he may kill her and individual. SubhanAllah. Can, can I ask him to that? Because there's a case, and I don't know. I'm not connecting it to this. I'm not saying I don't know the mm -hmm. specifics about the women. But there was a case that's well known amongst the Muslims. Muslim, I knew the brother, actually. I knew the brother. I was introduced to him some, some years ago. There was a brother who took on another wife. And when he did so, his wife, his wife, his first prior wife murdered him. Cousin. I've heard that, yeah. I've heard of situations like that now, as well. I don't know if it's because of what you're saying, but I just I do know she murdered him because of that other wife. Mm. What about on the men's side? Have you have you seen also this on the men's side as it relates to um, sexual abuse? Because I know sexual abuse is hard for women to speak about, but uh, for men, well, they well, you know well, for, they, for, they deem it for, almost for impossible men, to speak about. You know, absolutely. It, it's it's for a man. It could be uh, devastating. Because now you're, especially if he was raped by a man, you're talking about his manhood, you know. So therefore, sometime he become a, a super, what they would call a super ladies man, trying to convince himself that he's not a homosexual, first of all. Mm. You know, uh, in the process, he's running through and he can't settle down with one woman due to the fact of he has to maintain that image for himself because on his inside, he hasn't made peace with himself. That was the situation that happened. 
So he can't let that go. So a lot of times he continue to victimize other women because he take uh, a woman through a lot of changes. Nah, subhanAllah. Can I add an interesting fact to that, if you don't mind? Indeed, definitely, definitely. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you, you all heard of African Mabada, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. From the and Zulu you know, Nation. Yes. And you know mm -hmm. that he was accused of a lot of, uh, you know, molesting young boys. Yes. Now, the flip side of what he's saying is that those, those young boys who, who, who have been uh, molested can become very aggressive. Also, mm -hmm. that pent up anger. And I know situations like that. And the reason why I say this is because there was a lot, there was a string of murders going on in New York. And, he, and they come to, and, and those guys who were actually locked up for those murders, they were linked to being molested by African Mambada. SubhanAllah. Once again, those guys who were linked to a lot of murders, not just one or two, several guys who were linked to a lot of murders in New York, they were they were known to have been molested by African Mambada. There was someone else who was actually molested by him who said that um, he know because himself he was actually very aggressive because of it. He kept it in, pinned in. He you know couldn't talk to anybody. He was you know he, he actually himself was locked up for murder and so on and so forth. So so it can have a flip side also, not just being a ladies' man, but also becoming super aggressive. Right, because they because they want to prove their manhood. Yes, oh, and they have that pinned up aggression in them because that manhood was taken. Right, right. With that being the case, and we know that as Muslims living in a society, you know, um, we, we're going to experience some of these things. And the people who have accepted Islam in their jahiliyyah, they've experienced, you know, some traumatic things. Um, so what what could, could, could you could you get more into some uh, examples that we that, that we see throughout our communities of no. um, individuals being negatively affected? By, uh, by not by not having their trauma treated. No, inshallah. So, so as I mentioned, um, going back to what I mentioned about myself uh, and others like myself who came in that kind of lifestyle in the crack era, came who were ex-drug dealers, and those who were murderers and so on and so forth, that carries over to Islam if, if it's not treated because you don't recognize, you don't know that you have trauma. So like I mentioned, you lack trust with other Muslims because of it, because you couldn't trust anyone in the street, trust no one, trust no one. So um, you have people who, who, are in, who are in similar situations like myself, who trusted no one because they couldn't trust anyone. Because as I mentioned, you have best friends killing one another over money because there was so much money. Like I mentioned, the money was so, uh, uh, in the, so much in abundance. Literally you have people who are making up to a million dollars a month. This is no exaggeration in that city, in Washington, D.C. You know, making, you know, spending 10,000 a day is, it was nothing. You had people buy watches for $100,000. So with that being said, there was, there was always, you know, like a sheep, you know, for the, for the wolf. You had, you know, the people who, who always you know, wanted to pull what we call capers, always, you know, wanted to rob them always one was out to get them so therefore when they came into islam like i said my personal experience i couldn't trust anybody i didn't you know so you have you have people who are like that those rape victims that i mentioned before islam yeah it has a negative impact on their sexual relations and marriage it can have a, ne a negative impact it can have like he mentioned they can be promiscuous you know or they can have deviant sexual uh fantasies and 
Um, so these things can have an effect on their marital life when they get married. Likewise, we said the women will suffer emotional, physical abuse, and it, it can have an impact on their marriage. Uh, Ex-gang members, we can look at it from two, two perspectives. Ex-gang member, and being in the gang, um, it can be difficult for them to establish brotherhood in certain cases. In certain cases, it'd be, diff it'd be difficult because they have that whole thing about their ops or their opposition because they was always at odds with someone except their immediate gang. So it can be difficult for them to develop brotherhood with people who are not closely affiliated with them because they have that gang mentality. And that trauma is there. They don't realize it. And on the other hand, it can have an effect for ex-gang members. It can make them develop develop a hisby mentality any? due to gang affiliations because being in a gang, you know, you you affiliate affiliate with your gang members any? to a point where, you know, anything they say or do is a green light for you. So likewise, mm -hmm. the opposite spectrum of but, that. Before, but, but before you go on, um, just explain to the audience when you say um, they have hisby tendencies what what that means because there may be some yeah. listeners who are not familiar with that term. yes yani meaning that they base things that they do on their group yani not based upon the truth not based upon the truth upon personalities upon individuals or upon what the group set as a standard so therefore that person because they was in a the gang they did everything in the gang based on what the gang set, said or did whether right or wrong it was about gang affiliation so on the opposite spectrum one, it can be difficult to establish brotherhood. In the other spectrum, it can, they can fall into that hisby mentality, whereas though, whatever, you know, I'm, now I'm a Muslim, so they fall into a particular group. So whatever that group say or do, whether it's right or wrong, they're going to carry it out. So, so these are some of the, you know, aspects, you know, that can happen, some of the uh, negative effects that trauma can have on the Muslim community. If a person leaves that trauma unchecked, it can carry over into Islam, and these things can happen. And I can say once again, I know this through personal experience and what I've witnessed and seen amongst brothers who I know come from similar backgrounds or so those women who were raped and so on and so forth. So through counseling and so on and so forth, I, I was privy to some of, these, some of this information. So these things are reality that can happen. Hello, Mustafa. Um, you know, this, 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 this topic, it really, it really needs, um, we really need to shed a lot of light on this particular mm -hmm. on these particular issues because um just from what you mentioned and i'm pretty sure the listeners and the viewers they may also have their own personal experiences with this um it carries over you know mm -hmm. and if it's not treated it's going to have a bad effect on a marriage it's going to have a bad effect with you know with your with your brothers on fellowship and, and, and friendships and and that um so it's it's important that these things are highlighted because again, if a person is not acknowledging that or acknowledging that there is a problem, it's going to be hard to uh, to tackle it. You know, if they're not if they're not even acknowledging it from the first place, and if and in cases where um, individuals may be shy to mention it, like the, like in the case of rape and things of that nature, it's important for us as Muslims and um, you know leaders in the communities um, to develop an awareness. So we can recognize these signs now um, yeah. so i so i so i really encourage you know people who are in a position 
where they may potentially have to deal with these things to to get some additional learning and some additional um, training so that at least you can identify and spot the symptoms, you know, because a person, they may not uh, openly tell you what's going on, but you'll be able to see the symptoms as they manifest within them um, to get an idea that something's going on. So so we can try to, you know, tackle it. So I, th- I think that's that's really, really, really important. And, um, you know, I encourage the, the listeners, um, the viewing audience or those who are listening to the podcast um, to seriously reflect and to think about um, going into the, those fields where you can be a service to the Muslims in that capacity. Um, and, and especially because anyone who studies the field of psychology, they would know the overwhelming um you know, amount of neutralism that exists therein, where individuals try to separate everything from the Kitab and the Sunnah, from uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and then try to work from the problem based on that 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 basis. Yani, you know, uh, uh, without any connection to divine revelation, those individuals may be agnostic, don't even believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You know, to begin with kufar, and then these are the counselors who certain Muslims may be forced to have to sit with, and and that's that's really a problem. You know, in fact, the one who's deprived of something, he can't give it. So I, I really encourage, and, and please apologize for this little monologue, but I really, uh, you know, encourage the, 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 the believers to go into those fields of psychology, go into those fields and we can get trained in being a counselor and things of that nature, because it is definitely needed amongst the Muslims to come from a Muslim, a person who's going to take whatever research that these individuals have come with, come up with and filter it through the Kitab and the Sunnah. But undoubtedly, without any doubt without any question we have answers inside the book in the sunnah as relates to these particular matters you know their practical steps and then their steps and and within the kitab and the sunnah and part of this uh the wisdom of the series or part of the the the, the thinking behind the series i should say the motivation of the series is that we want to try to bit by bit show the viewer and the listener some pieces of advice and guidance that's contained in the kitab and the sunnah that will help with mental health issues, right? Um, so with that being the case, actually, it's a good segue uh, for us, well, for me, I should say, to ask, um, can can you illustrate, you know, some maybe some practical steps and examples of solutions to this particular problem? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Um, before I do that, I want to just pick it back up what you mentioned, the importance of the youth specifically and other than them going into these types of fields, it's very important. Um, this is something that, as I mentioned, my wife, that particular wife who, who uh, has been in that field for 30 years, say to me all the time, you know, you have the experience, you have the, the you know, the knowledge, you know, you should, you should go to school and enter into that particular trade. It would be nice, it'd be nice, but you know, reality is that, um, I'm not saying it can't be done, it can't be done. I mean, but at my age, in my mid fifties, um, you know, and all the other things I have to do at a particular point, it can be done. It'd be a slow process, you know, but it was something that I, I definitely have been, have been contemplating. Uh, I, I mean, I've contemplated over the years, not only her, also people who actually have degrees in that field actually told me the same thing. Um, but other than you know, sometimes with your schedule, you just don't get around to it. It's just only a thought. Right. But I definitely encourage the youth, those who have, you know, the ability those who may be trying to seek, you know, out a profession, definitely something to consider. Um, before, be, before you say that, though, I just want to say really, really fast to the to the listeners and the viewing audience: if anyone knows of any type of program, certification programs, 
um, things that can be taken online, self-paced and things of that nature, or just in general, anything that may be of a benefit in this particular regard, please leave a comment inside of the comment section. Um, and if there are any links, you know, to uh, particular programs or things of that nature, please leave that leave that comment down below uh, for those who are interested and in, in further pursuing, you know, this particular field. I'm sorry, Sheikh. Go ahead. No, no problem. No, no. Yes, that was a good, good, good point. Um, yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, some of the solutions are general. They're going to. It's going to be the same uh, solution for everything. And and first and foremost is is to learn the Dean of Allah Taala. As our brother Basim mentioned, it's 25 years of working in the system, and he, um, knowing that people have these issues, and that how the Dean primarily helped him to overcome for the most part. So we know learning the dean is important. Even him, he himself, um, we had a discussion. He was saying he was in the war. He was in the Gulf War. And he was saying that he, coming from the Gulf War, of course, as I mentioned, you know, one of the ways of having trauma, one of the causes is war. And he was in the war. He was sharing with me um, a story or sharing with me his story and coming back from the war, you know, of course, you know, having uh, post-traumatic, you know, uh, you know uh, syndrome. That you know, which war causes, he mentioned that they tried to get him on medication, but he really didn't want to take the medication at the time. And of course, he said he got through most of it because of the Dean of Allah Tabarakotan. I myself personally, as I mentioned, because of my situation, not realizing it was trauma, because I was so used to doing those things and they carried over to Islam, me, you know, not trusting people, me always having my back against the wall so I can see everything and so on, and not let people sit behind me in the car based on my lifestyle where I came up in. Um, I never sought treatment. Alhamdulillah, the more that I learned the deen of Allah, the more I increased in my knowledge of the tawheed, any, the more I increased in my understanding of the sunnah. And, and, and not, just, not just started to learn it, but implement it. Any, those things started to shed away. But it was a, it was a long road. But, but it goes back to first recognizing. Because I didn't acknowledge it first. But then after I, I, I sat back and I recognized, I said, okay, hold this is from trauma. This is from my lifestyle where I, where I came up in. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't recognize because, like I say, trauma has different, different effects. You know, um, some people have trauma where they're afraid of everybody because that lifestyle. They're paranoid. You know, they they thinking they're about to kill them. No, it wasn't like that for me. It, it was just that I took precautions. Um, so recognizing it and then learning the end of Allah Taala. Also, as we know, it does not negate seeking professional help, as we mentioned the last time when we did the first segment. In relation to um, in relation to um, uh, mental health issues, so also a person to seek help because we know that as Allah Taala Taala says, "Fas alu ahl dhikri in kutsmalata alamun," as Allah Taala Taala says. And if, therefore, if you don't know, ask the people of knowledge. And as we mentioned, Sheikh Zaid Matkhli, Rahimahullah Taala, once we we were in one of his lessons. And he mentioned that this has a general meaning and specific meaning. The general meaning is that, you know, or the specific meaning is that, of course, ask the scholars of Islam about about Islam. He said, but the general meaning is that if you want to make, if you want bread, you ask the bread maker. You don't ask the scholars. And we say the same thing. You know, if you have the situation, you must ask the people who specialize in it. So that's also something that has to be uh, sought after. Also, the remembrance of Allah. Because Allah says, Allah um yani uh, you know and, and it you know has not it, it, it does not yani or is not in the remembrance of Allah the hearts excuse me the hearts find rest yani so so trauma has an emotional effect 
on a person. You know, your body responds to it. Your body, your body can physically ache uh, uh, due to it. So, alhamdulillah, the remembrance of Allah offers, yani, along with treatment too, you know, it offers, you know, a solace for the heart. It offers a solace, you know, for, for the person. Um, also, what's important is having someone, yani, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a family member, or someone that can console you during the time of trauma. Very important. Let's go back to what I mentioned earlier in the beginning when I said, you know, the importance of this topic and how the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how when he received the revelation in the cave and how it was traumatic for him. He went home. He was in fear and he was trembling. And he, as we know, and he told his wife to cover him, to cover him. He said it twice. So uh, we have this example of Khadija, the wife, radiallahu ta'ala anha, the wife of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa consoling the Messenger in his time of need, yani, in a traumatic situation. So we need we need people that can console us, yani, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a family family member, whether it be a brother who we're close with, a Muslim brother who can give good advice, or whether it be a sister who has a Muslim sister that good good advice, whether it be an imam, whether it be a student, not those people who are qualified to be able to give that type of um, that type of uh, of uh, 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 consoling, like Khadija did. Yani. Uh, also, yani, we have an example of Allah Ta'ala, because Allah consoled the Messenger of Allah وسلم, yani, in Surah Duha, Duha yani, because the, the revelation has stopped. We know we have two phases of revelation yani, when, they, when it stopped. Okay, we know that you know uh, there was a period where it was a matter of days where revelation stopped stop descending yani? after the messenger you know sallallahu alaihi wasallam i think at the first revelation and so and then you had surah al-mudathir yani? so after surah al-mudathir yani, there was a period of time where revelation stopped descending and the scholars differ over that whether it's three years whether it's two years whether it's a couple of weeks you have some of the sellers and you know certain statements about it yani? but then there was another cessation cessation of the the revelation yani? for a number of days, and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was in fear. You look at the books of, uh, of Asbab al Nuzul, the reasons for revelation, it mentions, it brings uh, a hadith in Bukhari where it talks about where the revelation has ceased for a while and the Messenger feared. But then, what did Allah Ta'ala do? Allah Ta'ala then he revealed to him, you know, in Surah Al Duha, mentioning that, you know, that your, that your, your, your Rabb has not forsaken you. And he, so here, as the scholars mentioned, that Allah here, out of his wisdom, he, he's he's uh, consoling the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa He's consoling him, you know, in this ayah. So this shows you it's important to have people to console you. Allah ta'ala consoled the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa with uh, that particular ayah in the surah al-duha, letting him know that his Lord has not forsaken him because the messenger was in fear. And the scholars said the, the wisdom behind the the, the breaking between revelation is to give the messenger time, time to heal, yani, and, and give give the fear he had, let the fear dissipate. So all this is lessons in relation to trauma, yani, how we should deal with it. You know, so this is these are some of the solutions um, that we can mention now, and there's others of course, but these are some of the uh, basic solutions that can be uh, be done uh, immediately. And, he, and that and that have an effect and that, and that works. So and Allah Ta'ala a'lam.
and forgive me for any uh, stuttering of the tongue, any slips of the tongue. No, 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 no worries, no worries. Um, alhamdulillah, Zakallah um, Those are some very good pieces of advice on things that we could do practic, you know, practically. Um, which, for the listener, and 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 I'm, and I'm sure I'm a Khalil, um, as you already know. The issue of dealing with trauma, you have to take a holistic approach. It's not just one specific thing we can do, and then that's it. But um, like Ustad Khalili mentioned, you have to have good people around you who you trust, who can offer you advice when you need advice, and who could counsel you when you need counseling. Um, as for when I mean, when I say by counsel, not clinically or anything of that nature, professionally. But who can just give you good pieces of advice and be that shoulder for you to lean on, which which stresses the importance of good relationships between the man and the wife, you know, and even before that, which stresses the the need of of, of getting married and marrying good people, right? Um, so on and so forth. I mean, there's so many different aspects that an individual who has gone through any type of trauma trauma, you know, they need in order to to heal and to move on, uh, and, and and lead a, a a productive life, you know um and we have to be able to to recognize and to acknowledge because uh you know i'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you I, I i never some of the things that you mentioned about always putting your back to the wall so you can always see who's coming in never sitting with your back to the wall even in a restaurant or any place like that um just so you can see and be prepared um this is something that i always do but i've never thought about it in the, in the light in which you have mentioned you know, even even to this day, it's the same thing. I, you know, if I go into a restaurant, I, I sit where no one can come up behind me. No. You know, in uh, any situation, I always sit with my back so I can walk and see the door. And, you know, and I never, I never thought about it. I never, you know, reflected. But um, as you was as you were, were were talking, Subhanallah, I start reflecting on just my background and you know the areas that we have come from. And and, and I want to share with you that even before Islam, um, that that sentiment or that you know that you know ha having that feeling or what have you it was a deterrent for intoxicants for myself right uh, like i said even in jahiliya it was a deterrent because in my mindset was i have to always be ready and be prepared so i can't be outside of my mind state you know because i've drinking this thing or smoked that thing because that's going to put me in a situation where somebody can catch me slipping Sure. you know so for so i was like now nah, i'm not i'm not interested you know what i mean uh because i can't be caught out there like that right. um but subhanallah i never i never connected the dots between the two you know it's because of growing up in that type of environment um that even to that you develop certain habits for sure subconsciously you know? subconsciously you develop it's like survival mm -hmm. you know and then when you're no longer you know in that situation that necessitates that degree of, of 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 being alert you're still on high you know you're still on high alert, alert you know? no subhanallah subhanallah and even and even with the ptsd you know um there there are so many muslims who were in the army you know who have fought in wars i know i know brothers personally who were in the army and who suffer to this day from ptsd and um they're not getting any real help from the uh what do you call it they're not getting any real real, real help from the va you know which is a, which is a problem yeah. um so it it, it 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 is real important and i really 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 want to stress the fact that those who are imams of the masajid right um being an imam here in the west is different because as an imam here 
you're expected to be the one-stop shop for lack of a better term right so when it comes time to lead the salah yes you have leader salah give the khutbah yep you're gonna give the, give the khutbah when it comes time for counseling you have to be the counselor right when it comes time for all these things you have to be that person now as we know um there are certain things that a student of knowledge is not equipped to talk about unless they seek some type of training in that area right mm -hmm. so, so, so for, for, for example we know that the solution to all of these issues ptsd you know all these depression manic depression everything the solution is in the book in the sunnah right the solution is inside the book in the sunnah but if you're not extracting or looking for those pieces of advice you won't see them right so a person that was trained for example in hadith and they graduate with a with a degree in hadith that's wonderful but that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that you are equipped to deal with the issues of ruling and judging between people for sure because because perhaps you weren't taught that aspect you weren't yeah and and, and i'll give you another example um for the students so that maybe they better understand it for i think everyone be able to understand we know that when you look at the Quran, Sheikh Uthameen used to mention this, that when you're looking over the Quran and, you, and, 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 and you're studying, focus on what you're studying, right? Because inside of the, the ayah, you'll have the Asbab al-Nuzul, right? The reason that it came down. That's that's a topic, right? You may have in the ayah the tafsir of the ayah itself and uh, dwelling into the meanings that are extracted from it. You can look at the ayah just looking for those things. You can look at the ayah just looking at the grammatical points of the ayah and the and the grammatical structure of the uh you know of the ayah and that's something that is separate or you can look at the ayah to memorize or you could be looking at the ayah to review so there's so many reasons that you could be looking at the same ayah so my point is that is, is that if if a person was was trained to look at the ayah and what they were looking for were the grammatical points they might not, may not necessarily be the best person to give a tafsir to you because that's not what they study. They 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 study looking at it from a grammatical standpoint and showing you the you know the beauties from the language that have been extracted from it, right? Um, and then so on and so forth. If you look at the ayah from um, looking at the tafsir, what you need to be you need to be reviewing is going to distract you from what you need to be doing, which is reviewing. Or yeah. if you're looking at it from the standpoint of uh, hiv to to memorize is different from looking at the tafsir. So see what they mean. He would say that when you look at the Quran. Be very mindful of what you're doing. Don't allow the shaitan to distract you. Because what could the shaitan some his from his tricks is that he would distract you by make by, so for example, you're trying to memorize, then the shaitan will say, well, look at the grammatical points. So then you go off looking at the Arab of the ayah and not at what you the you, you know came there to do. So my point is is that just because a person studied, um, if they weren't looking or trained to identify and to pull out and extract these particular certain benefits that are related to mental health. They'll be ill-equipped. For sure. Can I? I just want to inject because I have the action behind. The sisters are waiting for me for the sisters class. No. Nah. But I, I just want to say this because that's the actual point you made. Many people put all their eggs in one basket when it comes to the imam, and like, right. and like you said, or the student of knowledge, he may just not he may just not be equipped for that particular thing. And going back to trauma, like for instance, like we talk about vicarious uh, trauma, where a person secondhand, the person themselves have not experienced the situation. But if he's not equipped, he doesn't know, understand different types of trauma and, and how to deal with it himself. If he's counseling someone on trauma, that in and of itself can cause him to have trauma. Mm. SubhanAllah. You know, so that's a trauma yeah. in and of itself. 
Right. Second, it's called secondhand trauma. So, so these things are, are, are very important. So I, I have to, well, then I have to go, and I'm sorry because this is the waiting. No, no, no worries. But real fast before you go, and and, yes. and, uh, and, and Basim, um, if you can just tell let us know if you both can just let us know. Uh, starting with you, I'm uh, Khalil. So I know you have to go. Yeah. Just if people want to connect with you um, and to you know listen to your classes and things like that and, and things that are going on, how, how can they do that? Please let them know. And inshallah, time I will leave links inside of the description box um, in, the, in, uh, in the show notes as well, um, so the, so the viewer could could uh, benefit from that. No, inshallah, um, we have classes on, on Mixler uh, uh, Sunday, 11 a.m. for the sisters, Mondays. Uh, it's going to be starting at 7, 7 p.m. now, inshallah, yeah. on Creed. Uh, also on Wednesday, study of Hadith, Baluga Maram, Explanation Sheikh Salih Fawzan. We give Kuwait. Also, we uh, talk about Mustala Hadith, small, basic, you know, understanding of Hadith, it's grading. Uh, also, uh, we do fiqh, a basic fiqh, and from the concise version of fiqh, Sheikh Salih Fawzan. We also give any you Kuwait know, principles that people can understand their daily lives, you know, how to, you know, uh, apply these principles and you know, how not to misapply them. Yeah. Um, so it also, you can find me on Instagram at Tawheed Before Toast, at Tawheed Before Toast. Yeah. And, um, and Akhid Basim, you have a program, correct? That, that, that yes, helps people. Uh, Could you please tell us a little bit about that and, and, and let the listener know how they can uh, contact you and benefit from that? You can find me on Facebook at Basim Abdulaziz. Um, I have a group, Men Dealing with a Hidden Secret Trauma, where uh, it's a group set up for men because women seem to have so many groups to help them deal with their issues. And there's really not enough groups for men. So I created a group where as though men can come in and feel comfortable in a private environment and let down it, their guard and put some of their issues out so we can start helping them to get to a better place. And I'm also on Instagram at Basim Abdulaziz. Mumtaz. And like I said, inshallah, I'm going to leave the, the, the links to both of our uh, noble guests inside of the, the show notes and likewise inside of the description box for this uh, video in this episode, rather, I should say. Um, so with that, like I said, I know everyone um, has to go. Please apologize to the sisters that we, that we took some of their, their class time. Nah, um, and uh, send, send salams to the brothers and the sisters of the community there. Um, so with that, inshallah, um, we'll, 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 we'll leave it until the next time. And inshallah, ta'ala, there definitely has to be a next time because these issues are, are so many and, and so multifaceted that yeah. it's going to take, you know, it takes a lot of time, but bit by bit, inshallah, ta'ala, you know, we want to try to deal with things uh, in a good way. So with that, inshallah, ta'ala, zakhmullah brothers, for, for coming through. May Allah ta'ala reward and bless each and every one of you tremendously for, for giving your time and for the benefit in which you have benefited your Muslim brothers just as well. So with that, I bid you all farewell. Astaghfirullah. Allah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward our brothers tremendously for what they have benefited us with. And may Allah ta'ala reward each and every person who is viewing and or listening um, tremendously for taking time out your day to sit and to spend it with us going over this topic. And again, I encourage everyone to look into um, those programs that may help those who need help 
and for those who have the ability to get some type of training to enter into these fields of training so that the Muslims could treat the individuals um, in light of the book and the Sunnah and without the bad advice that comes from a lot of these systems that have been built by the Kufar um, and, uh, you know, and the like. So it's, it's very important. And just to give you an example, um, you have the Kufar sometimes, the counselors, they may tell the Muslim women, well, you know, you're feeling like this and maybe you're sad because uh, you, you are vitamin D deficient. So what you need to do is stop covering so you can go outside and get some sun on your skin and so on and so forth. Now, so subhanAllah, what kind of advice is this? For someone who is um, not feeling well or feeling depressed to tell them, oh yeah, disobey Allah, you can feel better. Yeah, subhanAllah. You see, it's important for the Muslims to be able to treat the Muslims so that we're not put in these situations where we have to go to people who's going to give us bad advice or give us advice that is contrary to the laws that Allah Ta'ala has sent down, contrary to the book and to the sunnah. In any event, we thank you again for spending your time with us. We bid you farewell. Until the next time we meet, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.